Today we're going to talk about peace with each other. And, um, and this is just a, such a huge issue for all of us, um, because I know there's not a human being, lots of times I go, how many of you, and I don't have to go, how many of you, I know <laughs> that if you're human, you've got conflict. That's what it is to be human. And we experience it all the time, and how good is it to know that when peace was going to come to the earth, that partly what God said is, I want to bring peace, not just between you and me, I want to bring peace between each other. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1, one of my favorite passages of 2014, it might be my verse for 2014 actually, says, with all wisdom and understanding, so if you're needing some wisdom today in your relationships or where you have conflict, in all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. So here we go. Again, why did Christmas happen? What was the purpose in God actually sending Jesus Christ? It says that his purpose was to be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. So the whole reason that Christmas came is God has a vision. His will is unity. His will is that there would be oneness. And what you see in the book of Ephesians is God wanted this type of oneness to happen between us and him. And, but also, there's, if this is actually happening, which is what we're going to talk about today, then this has hope. So in chapter 2, verse 15, he says his purpose, again, again, why did he send him? Why did Jesus come? His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to god through the cross by which he put to death their hostility so here's god's whole purpose he goes i i want this to happen but here's the other thing i want to take people who are divided and i want to bring you together i want to take two and i want to make you one and I'm going to reconcile, how am I going to do this? I'm going to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which I can put to death your hostility. So there's our hope right there. If there's hostility going on between you and another human being, God said, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Peace to you on whom my favor rests. Because he wants you and I to be at peace. So I love that song, right? God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay, right? Peace to those on whom is favored. Nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. And so as I've been having conversations this week and studying this message, the one thing that's really clear is Satan... And if you guys don't, if, again, if, if you're not sure if there is one, um, we did a whole series on spiritual warfare. Um, if you're going to believe in Jesus, you've got to believe in Satan, because Jesus talked a lot about him. <laughs> Said there really is a spiritual war that's actually going on. And what is this Satan's power? And I think what we're going to see today, it's really when we live for ourselves. Satan's power, what he gets us to buy into, is me over you <laughs> that's it i would i would say if we could put sin in a nutshell and put satan's power in a nutshell it's me over you 
And so what that does is when I'm saying me over you, right? Now, how many of you have ever said me over you to God? You bunch of liars. <laughs> me over you. I want my will, not your will. I'd like you on the side, please, when I have a problem. But I want me over you. Causes separation between God. And then me over you causes separation in relationships. And so here's what we can know. If God has revealed his will and his will is unity, then you can know right now that division is Satan's will. Right? Just makes sense. God's like, man, here's my will. I want to unite everything. So Satan comes on the scene. He goes, well, then I got a will because all I want to do is swart you. And I'm going to do everything I can to divide. So you can just know that. So, oh, tidings, which means news of comfort and joy. Anybody want some comfort and joy? Fear not. Then the song goes on and says this. Fear not, said the angel, let nothing you affright. This day is born a Savior of pure, a virgin bright, to free all those who trust in him from Satan's power and might. Here's the good news. Right? The angels came. Good news! <laughs> There's a Savior who wants to save us from Satan's power and his might, to free us from sin which always destroys and divides us from God and others. And then the last verse I'll read, I'll sort of sing. You guys want me to sing? Yeah. Ah, whatever. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> now to the, no, I mean, that's kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know why Relish doesn't let me get up here and do that. No, Michael Bublé. No, no, okay. All right. Now, all right, third verse. Now to the Lord sing praises, all you within this place. Listen. And with true love and brotherhood, each other now embrace this holy tide of Christmas all others doth deface. I had to look that up. I don't know what that meant. But, um, and here's what it means. Anything other than true love and brotherhood. Anything other than embracing each other and peace with each other. Christmas defaces. Christmas, Christ, God, sending Jesus wherever there is a lack of brotherhood and embracing one another and peace with one another. Christmas defaces it. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. So there's our hope, you guys. So the Christmas spirit, right? And what is that? And, and we're trying to, you know, part of it, we're going to talk about love evolution again, because part of it is we're trying to get rid of this weird American Christmas spirit, right? I went yes, shopping yesterday. What was, a, what was that? Why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we came out the door, and, you know, we get in the car, and it didn't start good. It was just me and the kids, right? We're going to have a good time shopping for our, your mom. No, yeah, we weren't. They're fighting, and they're screaming, and so what did I do? I fought and screamed, right? 
It's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Isn't that weird, parents? Like the very thing we're telling them to stop doing, we're doing while we're telling them to stop doing it. We're weird. But I was standing in line in the midst of all the hustle and bustle, and I, I saw this guy pull up this shopping cart, and, and there was so much joy on his face, you know? And I really realized there actually is a Christmas spirit that's good. And it is when people are finally thinking about somebody else besides themselves. <laughs> and there is something that when we start giving to somebody, it does something to our heart. And man, we experienced that in some neat ways this year as well. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Now, before I dive in and help us to see what does God say, how can this peace that is of God actually come and cause oneness and unity amongst us? Um, I have a great story to share with you today um, of some dear friends of mine. So let's begin their journey as you begin yours. Here's Matt and Mindy. You start your lives together and, and it, it's exciting. You're, you know, still figuring things out about one another, enjoying one another. Um, and then there are arguments that start to occur and um, bumps in the road. Um, living without Christ in my life at that time, I didn't really know how to to deal with that. Like, I'm a fixer. I like problems. <laughs> big, and, uh, messy I like problem. big, messy, complicated problems, and I like to get in there and try to figure it out and fix it. And, uh, or under the illusion that I can fix it. I was under that illusion for a long time that whatever problems were in our marriage, I was going to get in there and fix it and then we move these pieces around and we'll put this together and it'll unfold as it should. You know, I think God let me do that for a while, for a lot of years. But instead of turning to God, giving that to God and saying, God, you can solve the problems. I just got to the point of, I don't know what to do. But then when Mindy filed for divorce, I, I was, I mean, I was lost. The dream of what marriage is supposed to feel like wasn't there. And what your friends might say or what the world might tell you. If it doesn't feel good, then go find something that does. God had stripped me to the bone in the perfect way for myself. But if you want to strip this man to the bone, this is how you do it in this fashion. It's going to take this many years. And then with nothing left, I turned to God once again and had already received Christ in my life, but had not been walking in a manner that I should have been. Matt came to me and asked me to start going to church. After a couple months of attending K2, things really just started crashing down. It was when uh, things were crashing down that, um, that Mindy came to see me. And uh, in another line, she actually said, while we were interviewing, she said, K2 felt good. The marriage didn't. <laughs> and... Um, and it was that place 
of, of, of darkness and despair. And you could hear, Matt, I, I, I just know this. When they both came and I talked with each of them, it was done, right? It was done. And, um, and I want to pray before I jump into God's word. And here's what I want to ask you to do. Will you do this? Because this, right, why, why are you here today? I believe you're here today, not for an accident, not for, um, it's not a coincidence. Who is it that you're not at peace with? Who is it? I mean, for some of you, <laughs> you know right off the bat. And, um, and I'm going to pray, and I want to pray for you. I've said this for 10 years, guys, here. If, uh, if Christianity is just uh, a theory, if it's just a bunch of rules we're supposed to try to follow and it doesn't make any difference, let's just not even be here. I want to tell you, I said this last week, I am a hopeless romantic in the gospel. I love it. And I want you to know this morning, it is real. And if you want the power of God today inside of you to walk out of here different than the way you came in and for his peace to enter into your relationships, it's yours. It is yours. There is nothing. He is ready this morning to pour his grace on you and to give you his peace. So let me pray and you pray while I pray and just open up your heart to God and ask him if he might move in your area of conflict. Jesus, I worship you this morning. We're going to love you. I hope everybody will love you even more by the time we're done today. But I want to lift up every heart in this room. God, you know the pain. You know the hurt. You know the suffering. You know the anger and you know the bitterness that is in this room because we've hurt and we've been hurt. And I'm asking, I'm simply going to ask in the name of Jesus for grace and truth to come and set people free. Would you bring your healing today and your hope in the name of Jesus? Amen. So why are we not at peace with each other? <clears throat> these are my two points today. And you can just sit and we're going to unpack these in lots of different ways. We're not at peace with each other because <clears throat> some of you have wronged somebody. Well, that's not true. All of you have wronged somebody. That's why we're not at peace. And the truth is, as a human being, we have wronged someone. Then we don't have peace. And the second reason we're not at peace is because all of you have been wronged. <laughs> And, and so we don't even need to go any farther, but I want to this is what, but this is what we got to figure out. What do I do with the fact that I wrong people? Do you all wrong people? What are you going to do with that? And what are you going to do when you've been wronged? How many of you have been wronged? See, this is our reality. And so you've hurt someone, and you've been hurt. You've rejected people, and you've been rejected. You've let someone down. And people have let you down. You've not accepted someone and someone hasn't accepted you. You've broken somebody's trust. And somebody has broken yours. 
You've put yourself over others, and others have put themselves over you, and that is Satan's power. Satan's power is me over you. So what do we do when that happens? If you're not at peace, if there's no reconciliation. Now here's here's where we struggle with this, is somehow we feel justified, okay? If you're not at peace with somebody right now, my guess is that somehow you feel justified in your behavior. And that word justified simply means proved to be right or reasonable. And here's where conflict happens. I'm right, and you're wrong. (laughs) And as soon as you're right and the other person's wrong, your hope for reconciliation is probably not there. So how do we justify ourselves? How do you justify yourselves in the wrong that you have done or are doing? Because for some of you in this room, you're not at peace with another person because of what you've done or because of what you're doing right now. Now, the way we justify that is either this could be part of it. Sometimes you don't see how this wrongs the other person. Have you ever just, anybody got a blind spot? (laughs) See, we all have blind spots, and sometimes we're actually wronging somebody, and we're not even aware of it. And so we're justifying our action because we don't even realize it's an issue. Or sometimes we justify our actions because the truth is you don't care that this has wronged the other person. Somehow it was right for you. So think about this. How many of you feel like, I don't care because this is right for me? See, then we're justifying the steal and we're wronging another person. Now, at the same time, the other, on the flip side, we justify our behavior in your judgment towards another person who has wronged you. And this one's a little bit more easy to swallow, right? It's like, yeah, because they've done something wrong to me and I'm justified. It's right or reasonable. They deserve my ill treatment, my anger, my resentment, my pulling away of my love. I'm justified in doing that. I'm right. And I want to tell you, this is Satan's power. Me over you. You know, in fact, the Bible, you can look it up in James, it talks about The wisdom that is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic is selfish ambition. (laughs) It's, It's bitter envy and selfish ambition. And so when I justify my behavior because it's right for me, but I'm wronging another person, or if I justify my lack of forgiveness because they've wronged me and they deserve this, both of those things, that's where Satan creeps in. So, If you're hurting someone and you can't stop the behavior, if you can't find the power to put the other person ahead of you, can we just, okay, this is where I'm like, I wish I I so wasn't like pastor, because sometimes you guys, oh yeah, you're the pastor. No, I know what it is to not be able to put the other person ahead of me. Anybody else know that? What do we do? How do we get a power to do that? If you have no mercy, 
grace or forgiveness to offer someone who has wronged you. And you feel justified in your condemnation, your judgment, and your bitterness. How do you get it? How do I get mercy and grace and forgiveness? God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ the Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. So if we're going to be at peace with each other, we must be saved. We've got to be saved from Satan's power. And Satan's power is me over you. Guess what God's power is? You might just take a guess. Thank you. It's you over me. And it takes power to want you to be over me. Just get married and you find out it's hard to want you over me. So how do we do this? And how do we bring this salvation? I bring you good news, a great joy. For unto us a Savior is born. Let's watch Matt and Mindy's second part of their story. So I came into your office and told you my story. And you patiently listened. And one of the first questions out of your mouth was, do you have Christ in your life? I remember you asking me in your office, if Mindy did a complete 180, would you, would you stay in this? And it was in some ways the easiest question to answer because it was like Dave saying, hey, if I offered you a million dollars, would you take it? Mindy's not gonna do a 180 and Dave's not gonna offer me a million dollars, so yes to both. And you read to me a few verses out of the Bible and asked me if I wanted to receive Christ into my life, and I did. And I prayed with you, and at that moment, things changed for me. Things changed. It wasn't like I was turning to Christ to save our marriage or turning to Christ to have a better relationship with my, my children. I was doing it because there was nothing left. I was committed to following God, but I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant as far as Mindy was involved, but God did. And I was just willing to follow God in that. At times not knowing what that looked like to follow God, I had people around me, putting their arms around me. Forgiveness was extremely difficult for me on, on so many different levels. And not out of stubbornness or pride, it was out of hurt. You know, it was out of being hurt so deeply that no matter how much I might want to, as a person, be released from that pain of thinking that the pain's too deep to forgive, not because I want to be stubborn, but because the pain's so deep. It's God working through me as just a conduit or a vessel to, to deliver forgiveness. And in that, I get freed and Mindy gets freed. So I don't know if you caught that last part, but it was, I'm simply a, a vessel of God's forgiveness, right, to Mindy. And in that, Mindy gets free. And so do I. 
So what happens, man? It is the good news, you guys. Gospel just means good news. And it is the good news that we can be at peace with God that is the power to be at peace with each other. And I want to tell you, here's what happens. The gospel, when you really understand it, really, it completely changes how you see God. And some of you, I, I know this right, but some of you, what you need today is you just need to see God differently today. I hope that happens. But it also completely changes how you see yourself. I mean, when you get this, it's like, oh, it sheds light on who you are. And therefore, it completely changes how we see each other when we really get the gospel. And, um, and I love that, man. What, you know, like when I, I did, I asked Matt, it's like, what would happen, man, if Mindy did a 180? Because if you heard her in the video, she was like, man, I received Christ, and I, it was different. So now I'm like, okay, dude, what are you going to do? Right, because you're done. And now your wife's different. Wow, this is good stuff. All right. So, here, let me just share with you why the gospel is so great. God is, how do we see God differently? God is completely holy. When you finally see God for who he is, in him, the Bible says, is light and there's no darkness at all. So God is perfect. He does everything right. Everything's good. Everything's holy. And so, because of that, here's what we understand about God. He actually is the only one who is justified in punishing sin. In fact, if he didn't punish sin, he wouldn't be just. Okay, and we've talked about this here before. If you're new, we just understand that. When you get a judge in a court of law and there's sin, if, if something has been wrong, the last thing you want is a judge that just says, oh, just go ahead and get away with rape. Just go ahead and get away with murder. Just go ahead and get away with stuff. No, you want a, a judge who's just. Well, since God is totally holy and perfect in everything he does, he actually is justified, and in fact, the Bible makes it very clear. God will punish sin. He just will. He can have nothing to do with it. So that's the first thing that we see with this gospel, that God is not, okay, i got to keep going. Here's the second thing we understand about the gospel. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, we ask this all the time. I ask you, how many of you know you're a sinner? We're like, oh, yeah. How many of you do everything perfect? No, you, we, we know we didn't do it. Here's what we need to understand. When, when the gospel happens, when the Holy Spirit shows you your sin, and that's his job. And, and this, here's, here's one of those things. I can't show you your sin. Well, I can, but you could just go, well, forget you, Nelson. But when the Holy Spirit shows you your sin, when he shows you how often you say no to God, and you are, and it's me over you, God, me over you, like all the time, God, oh. When that gets revealed, all of a sudden, this is what will happen, is you finally realize, I actually deserve the wrath of God. Now I want to tell you, here, so here's what's weird about the Christian message. It's actually really offensive. <laughs> because it says, you're messed up. <laughs> and you actually, because you live in sin, you are separated from God. 
your sin is being punished. But I, I, I want to tell you, I was, uh, when I was working on this I, and thinking about this, I just thought one of my prayers would be the worst thing that could ever happen, the greatest tragedy I think that could ever happen, is that you could sit on the witness stand of your life full of sin against God and be at peace with that. I ask God, my greatest prayer for you is if you've never seen your offense against God, that you would see it. Because to sit in a witness stand completely guilty as charged and laissez-faire about that, that would be the greatest tragedy that could ever happen. But what happens, what Jesus Christ came to do and what the Holy Spirit does is it shines light on your heart. And now I realize I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of God. I'm like, God, help me to understand this. I just want to tell you, man, when I look in the mirror, here's what I know. I am screwed up. Anybody else? Okay. And I hope you understand the weight of that. But here's the very next verse. That was Romans 3.23, by the way. The very next verse says this. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice for sin. So here's the beautiful thing of the gospel. I'm messed up. I see it every day. It was like the first thing out of my mouth this morning in my own prayer after my beautiful experience as a father yesterday. (laughs) I am flawed. And I just felt like God came back to me right immediately and said, and I have forgiven you. I am justified. What's that word mean? Shown to be right and true. Oh, come on. Are you kidding me? Just follow me around. But why am I seen justified, right, and completely holy? Because God sent Jesus, and he did punish my sin. And he punished it in Christ on the cross. And since he's already punished my sin, he's never going to punish it again. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Now you getting this? See, that's what I know to be true. What I deserve, I will never receive that's the gospel that's christianity i have been saved from judgment and condemnation i have been saved from the power of satan his sin over me so now let's pull in this apart really quickly romans chapter 5 verse 1 therefore since we have been justified made pure and clean through faith which means, like the Bible says, not by works. It's not like I tried really hard to be a good dad. No, anybody else try hard and fail? Own that. So what are you going to do? Get before God and say, hey, look how good I was. I'm not doing that. Why? Because I've been justified through faith. I just put my faith in Christ, and he made me clean. We have, because of that, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. See, and here's what blows me away. So every day I stand in what? In grace. God never looks at me and judges me because of my works. 
I stand clean before him because of grace, and it's a total gift that I have received. And then the next verse says, and so we boast in the hope of the glory of God. What do I boast in here as your pastor? That I'm totally messed up, and I'm totally loved, and I have hope for the glory of God. What's that mean? The glory of God that I could actually be like God, that we may live like God, that I could actually treat you like God treats me. And there's hope that that can actually happen. Ephesians 4.24 says, put on, Nelson, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. How? Help me. Verse three, not only do we boast in the glory of God, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering, you know what? You know what conflict is? suffering. You know what it is to have someone reject you? You know what it is to let another person down and have them not forgive you? It's suffering. And we rejoice in our sufferings because we know the suffering produces perseverance. Then perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope doesn't disappoint us or put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. What? See, so here's the gospel, you guys. The first thing is, I stand by grace. My sin was in Christ. It's been punished. I put my faith in Christ. Jesus has already forgiven me. Totally clean. Awesome. And then, not only did he take away my sin, then he filled me with his love through the Holy Spirit that he's given me. Now I possess something I never did as a human. But I do as a child of God. I have his spirit inside of me, and God's love is his power to say, you over me. This is how we know what love is. Christ died for us, even when we were his enemy and when we were his sinner, and now that love is in me, so I can love you when you're a sinner. The hope of glory is Christ in me. So here's, the, here's how it works, you guys. You have done wrong. Then love like God and you have been wronged, then forgive like God. Come on, Christians. Quit playing the stupid game. Sorry. Please stop playing the game. No, stop. Stop doing the church thing and then not loving like God loves. Stop playing the church game and start forgiving each other like you've been forgiven. The world needs this so bad. Broken, wounded, sinful people need to know that they can be loved. I need to know that I can be loved. What are you going to do, man, when we let each other down? Not if. So we go to Colossians 3 and it says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful 
so we go through this list, right? And if, if you're not doing these things, if you're not being compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient, right before it, it says, if you've got sexual immorality or if there's lust, if you're doing anything sexual outside of God's plan for marriage, if there's greed, if there's anger or rage, slander or lying, the Bible says, what are you doing, Christian? What are you doing? I poured my love into your hearts, right? So if you're wronging someone, if you have done wrong, and here's what I realized, if we're ever going to be at peace with each other, then when you mess up, because are you going to mess up? Are you going to wrong each other? Yes! Then when the person reveals it to you, what do you do? How dare you show me that I'm a sinner, that I confess that I am, but I pretend that I'm not. What? No, like if somebody shows you, you go, oh, I know, right? That's the point. Thank, thank you for revealing it to me. And then what you do as a Christian is God poured his love into your heart. And so instead of continuing the behavior that's wronging the person, you immediately repent. You humble yourself and you say, I'm sorry, and you stop the behavior. That's it. Love like he loved. You are holy and dearly loved, and his love is in your heart. Now, I think it's very interesting that right after he says, be kind and compassionate, humble, gentle, and patient, the very next word is, and bear with each other, and forgive each other. And the reason it's in there is because we know we are going to be wronged. Do you guys understand this? If you're going to be around another human being, you're going to be wronged. So what do we do? When you've been wronged, then you forgive like God. It wasn't in the video, but at the very end, I asked Matt, I said, Matt, if you could tell everybody in church just one thing, what would it be? He waited for a second, he looked at me, and then he just said, learn, listen, interesting, right? Learn to forgive and do it. Learn to forgive and do it. And what I want to say is, how do I learn? The way I learn to forgive is I learn how to be forgiven. When I have learned how messed up I am and how often I have wronged God, and I receive this mercy and grace from him, I learn to forgive by watching Jesus who forgave me. And he forgave me like a huge debt, right? I mean, the, the, the amount of sin I do against one individual is not even close to how much I, for, I have sinned against God. And he forgives me all of it. I learned to forgive by watching what Jesus did for me. I want to tell you, if you have grievances against someone, yes, and some of you today, you do. And I'm not diminishing this. I'm not saying you didn't get hurt. It hurts, right? I'm not saying you didn't get rejected. I'm not saying you didn't get let down. I'm not saying that somebody didn't do horrible stuff against you, but then he comes back and he says, but as my chosen people, holy and dearly loved, holy simply means be like me. You belong to me. And Hebrews 12 puts it this way, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the glory of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, guys, once you're a Christian, 
and this grace has saved you. And you are standing before a holy God and you're totally justified? See, that's why I've said for 10 years here, my life is nothing but one big pile of mercy. How are you going to have mercy for another human being? You get poured mercy into your heart. And once the gospel becomes real, you can finally give it to another. So it says bear with each other. That word bear means hold up against something. Be erect and firm. Don't move. Bear with each other. (laughs) And I'm just sitting there going, okay, and what's he want us to bear with? I'm not moving. You. You, that person, you, that keeps doing these things to me. (laughs) See, because here's what human love does. If you've been wrong, human love doesn't bear. We bolt. We're like, that's it, man. If that's what you're like, I'm going to pull my love away. If you let me down, I'm going to pull my love away. And you imagine if God looked at you and said, hey, I'm watching you today. I'm watching you today. Hey, man, if you don't follow me, I'm pulling my love away. Anybody want to live like that? No, and we don't. In Christ, we live completely forgiven. And so he says, now, will you forgive as I forgave you? Will you hang in there like I hang in there with you? Will you bear with each other like I bear with you? And I want to tell you, I'm telling you, I think the only way to do this is the power of the Holy Spirit inside me. And the only way for you to do it is for the power of the Holy Spirit to be inside of you. It's hard, you guys. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. And even if they sin against you seven times in a day, what? In a day? Seven times, and if they come back seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive them. You know what the apostles said to him? Increase our faith. (laughs) Isn't that great? Like, forget that. There's no way. And I think God just goes, hey, just remember how many times I forgive you in a day. Just remember how many times I forgive you in a day. And then you can offer it to another person. It is hard. But I want to tell you, this is God's will for us. And this is the hope of the glory of God. That two people who wrong, who wrong and get wronged can actually come together with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them. And the person who did the wrong thing with the power of the Holy Spirit who will get convicted of that can actually repent and change their behavior by God's love who's now in their hearts. That's what that person can do. And the person who's been wronged can look in the mirror and remember how many times the grace of God has been given to them and they can offer it to the person who wronged them. Picture that. Guys, picture that. What would happen if the one who did the wrong said, I'm going to stop doing wrong? And if the one who got wrong said, and I'm going to forgive you? What would happen? Peace on earth. Peace. So band, come on up, and here's what I want to tell you. Um, Peace with each other can only happen if both parties do that. You guys understand that, right? And so I just know lots of times somebody is totally willing to forgive, and the other person won't stop the behavior. I I, I can tell you this. You can still forgive someone even if you can't be reconciled to that person, right? You can still forgive them. You can have this peace in here. 
because you're forgiving them as God forgave you. But I want to tell you, peace with each other can only happen if both sides are loving like God and forgiving like God. But if you're a follower of Christ, he's in you. His love is in you and his grace is in you to give to each other. And so we begin our worship with this song that says what? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. Sing this Christmas song like you never have before. Oh, come, oh, come, Jesus, Prince of Peace, save me from Satan's power of me over you. Save me from that. And instead, give me your love, which allows me to say you over me in both forgiveness and sacrificial love. I want to tell you guys, the gospel is real if you latch onto it and offer it to each other, if you gospel each other. Peace can be yours. Let's stand together and let's worship.